Coming up next on the Digital Marketer Podcast. It's more of shedding and letting go of all this sales-like conditioning and coming back to our true selves. And that opens the possibility for many to succeed in sales. This is Digital Marketer. Hey, it's Marky Grass here, and I've got a question for you. What if you could legally get the emails of almost every person who visits your site? Seriously, what if you could safely and respectfully retarget your website visitors via email just by dropping a pixel onto your site? It might sound too good to be true, but our new sponsors at getemails.com can do just that. They've created a system that's compliant with U.S. laws and regulations, and every email address they send you is opted in to receive emails. So that means that you can connect your anonymous website visitors to real people and safely retarget them through email with real-time, fully compliant interactions. It might sound too good to be true, but trust me, it works. The CEO, Adam Robinson, is brilliant. And he believes in his product so much that he's willing to do something a little crazy for digital marketer listeners. If you go through their easy 30-minute onboarding process and haven't 5X your investment within the first six months, they'll give you all of your money back. To take advantage of the offer, go to getemails.com slash digitalmarketer. That's getemails.com slash digitalmarketer. Hey everyone, welcome to the Digital Marketer Podcast. I'm Mark DeGrasse, host of the podcast and president of Digital Marketer. So today we're going to be talking to Neil Trecarico, who is the uh, founder of Ultimate Growth Inc., an e-learning business for sales leaders and professionals, and uh, sales director or former sales director at Digital Marketer. So welcome, Neil. Hey, Mark. Glad to be here, man. It's good to be connected with you on the podcast. Well, it's great to have you on. I, we should have done this much sooner because I think uh, one of the biggest things that most marketing agencies and even marketing professionals kind of lack is that that sales approach to what they're doing, whether it's for you know getting new clients or actually just dealing with clients themselves. You know, it's it's always a it's a pitch when you're doing anything creative like we do in marketing. Yeah. Yes. So let's just jump into it. You know, we talked about sales systems. So I know a digital marketer, you know, sales technique and uh, trained our sales staff. And I think it's a real kind of skill set that everybody needs. So when you, it comes to, you know, creating that system, how did you kind of create your, your one that you did for us here at Digital Marketer? Yeah, you know, great question. And, and I think I'll just take a brief step back. I mean, I think the importance of having a sales system is really important and critical. So much like, you know, my colleagues and friends in marketing, you guys are tracking and measuring everything, right? So in marketing, you're A-B testing, you're, you're tracking and measuring each aspect of the marketing funnel. But what I found coming up in sales over the last 20 years is there was never that kind of tracking and measuring in the sales human-to-human interaction. Right. So it was always just believed like sales is a, is a gift or a personality that you're an extrovert and we'll just leave it to those extroverts to close other extroverts. What we've come to know over the years are a couple of distinctions. Number one, no one wants to be closed anymore. Coffee isn't for closers. It's for people <laughs> who enjoy coffee. But number two is that confluence of science and sales talent and attributes is really important. So much in the same way you'd have a scorecard in your marketing funnel, 
I have come to know and the results have proven out that it's important to have a scorecard or playbook that we can track and measure against for the sales interaction itself. So we can make the same kind of tweaks and improvements and pivots that you do in marketing. I love that concept. I think you could create metrics for anything. And in the same vein, if you don't have metrics for what you're doing on a consistent basis, there's no way you're going to generate any kind of, well, yeah, I mean, you could accidentally improve, <laughs> which what I've seen in the past with other you know teams is that you have kind of just this calling <laughs> constantly with salespeople where it's like, oh, come on in, give it a shot. Oh, okay. It's not working. See you later. And then they just keep on kind of turning it over. So have you found with, with creating those metrics that you've, uh, you know, improved retention or kind of development for your salespeople? Yeah. I mean, so, you know, much in the way like a, a manager or a head coach would manage a professional sports organization. My belief is you got to have a system and a playbook and that's going to enable you to create a culture of excellence because much in the same way you're churning the bottom end, you don't want to have a culture where you've got prima donnas who run roughshod just because they can sell a lot, right? So having a team, having a structure, having a system, having a playbook will create a culture of excellence. It also creates clear rules of engagement. Also, like you do in a professional organization, it allows us to practice. So before we get on the playing field, practice, drill, and rehearse. It also allows us to review the tape and critique. So back in the day when I came up, I was always recording my phone calls and, and you could listen for certain things. But now with Zoom, where we're face to face with people, you can really break down that tape against it. It also creates teamwork, right? So it's holding the entire team against a set of standards. And then it also you know, enables leadership to, to really come out. That's awesome. Well, and for the, the metrics themselves, have you come up with kind of like a set that you found is, is really effective when it comes to you know, managing your salespeople and reviewing performance? Yeah, two pieces. So there's the metrics for results. So number one, as we're tracking, we'll get results and then we'll, we'll back into the metrics that I'm tracking over the course of an interaction. But let's look at the results first because ultimately sales is a results game. So number one, what we're looking for, if you look at what I would call a consultative sale, where you've got one human interacting with another human looking to get enrollment, what used to be called the sale we call enrollment, the number one thing you want to look at first is their ability to participate in show rate, hmm. right? So marketing is going to drive a prospect to make a decision to apply and book. But anything can happen between that decision and actually showing up. So I look at it as like a baton in a relay, right? So marketing is like stick, the hand sails the baton, and there's this moment both athletes, both competitors are holding it. So what is the sales rep doing to improve the team's show rate? So things like text, video text, engagement, reaching out to the prospect prior to that call, making a commitment around the value of the call. So we look at we look at show rate, we look at call completion rate. Obviously, we look at enrollment or what's traditionally called closing percentage, total value collected, right? So money in the bank is the name of the game in, in sales. So those are the metrics that we're tracking in terms of results. And also happy to go through how we track and measure in a call, but those are the, the benchmarks or results that we're tracking 
holding reps accountable to in, in sales. Well, I really like the analogy of the baton toss because I think a lot of times there's a real disconnect between what the salespeople are saying and what's actually being delivered. And and it's it's like yes. sales kind of live on this island. Like, oh yeah, they're they're over there doing stuff, <laughs> which is great. But yeah. it's uh, connecting it to that the ultimate delivery. I think is uh, where a lot of companies can improve. So in that regards, yeah. Um, I, well, I, actually, I think there's a real important distinction there since this audience is marketing, and I have such respect for my brethren in marketing. Is is that is that duality of responsibility, right? Marketing can't be like, okay, I, I got you the lead, and it's you know I'm done. And sales can't be like. This is or isn't a lead. So what, what, what I train my staff, staff to focus on is really what I call the 10-pack, right? So in any given sales interaction, there's going to be 10 possibilities. Okay, there are those 9 and 10 leads that, that quite frankly, you know, my 12-year-old daughter could ask for the credit card or maybe even <laughs> her dog. So we should just be tipping our hat. You know, thank you, marketing. Those are enrollments. Like, the truth of the matter is we don't need a professional sales rep, but we'll take those nines and tens. Then you've got the one and two, one and two. It's like, I'm kind of looking over at marketing and I'm like, <laughs> what? This should not, this should not be over here. So you got to take the bottom out and you got to take the top out. So that leaves, that leaves four through eight, the six in the middle. And that's where, you know, the sales reps, talents, capabilities, standard, and ultimately their results is their ability to, support a prospect through the enrollment process and ultimately influence them to enroll. That's where the real value of a, of an inside sales professional lives. That makes sense. Cause I think a lot of people just think of it as the closing, you know, like you said, referencing uh, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross with the, the coffee is for closers that really, you know, for uh, probably the last hundred years, maybe <laughs> has been the perception of, of sales. Like, Hey, you get in there, you convince goers, maybe uh, even the prospect to purchase no matter what they want. And I think, uh, you know, with modern business, it's it's all about the relationship, you know, and long term. Because I think other, other than that grocery store, quick grab at the checkout, uh, any decision deeper than that is going to require that the connection between different departments and also, uh, you know, kind of the development of the salespeople being more than just that closing person that's the foundational principle of my entire career my mission has been to demystify sales as a thing demystify sales as something other right so i came up in the glengarry glen ross boiler room i had to become somebody else i had to coerce i had to convince i had to close and it was gross. I mean, every night I had to shower that off. I had to take my sales persona off and put my human persona back on. And you hit the nail on the head when you said in business, it's about relationships. I would actually take it another mm -hmm. step further. In life, it's about relationships. So all we're doing is peeling away all that otherness and saying, what are the core attributes of our most important relationships, right? We've got to establish rapport with people. We've got to earn their trust and respect. We've got to ask them questions, not pitch or present at them, because we want to make sure that what we want to offer them as a solution will really actually help them. And the only way to do that is to ask them the questions. It would be inappropriate if the answers to those questions led to it not mm -hmm. being a fit and we sold them. 
But if the answers to the questions prove out that we can help them, then we, in essence, it's the flip side. We have a moral obligation to serve them. But that value really lives in their eyes. So, you know, knowing you're married and I'm married, we wouldn't do these sales things to influence our wives, right? We've got to, we've got to be present. We've got to shift our focus from our needs to theirs. We've got to establish such great rapport that they, that they trust us, they respect us. Because then and only then will we have earned the right to ask them the questions to help them uncover their own rescue, if you will. So that, that's why I'm so juiced and jazzed about it, because it's really not that, that hard. It's more of shedding and letting go of all this sales-like conditioning and coming back to our true selves. And that opens the possibility for many to succeed in sales, not just dominating, loud, persuasive folks. I love that approach because I think, you know, when I first came in a digital marketer and I actually went through uh, a sales pitch or, you know, sales with one of your guys and I, I was expecting the typical where it's like, hey, let's get on Zoom, do a screen share, walk me through the features of the products and so on and so forth. And, you know, a series of questions where it was like, hey, let's talk about your motivations and let's talk about where you are right now. And, you know, let's see your vision for what you're going to get out of this program. And it was all the this very... uh you know, not, not personal, but it was, it ended up being kind of personal. Like, yeah, why am I interested in this? And then by the end of it, it was like, oh, and here's the solution and you're a good fit for it. And it was, it felt natural and it, it definitely did not feel like, Hey, let's give me your credit card now, which I, that's what people are scared mm-hmm. of. And I think that's kind yeah. of the, been the perception of sales to date is just this, uh, okay, they're going to sell me, you know, the, the user kind of approach. And I think, yeah, it's not fair anymore. It's not. It's And it's not even appropriate. And I really appreciate you sharing that. And then what you said, that distinction that you had was, why am I a fit? See, people will come to one of these interactions for what they think they want. But it's the sales professional's job to help them uncover what they really actually need. So people come for what they think they want, and they want to learn how to get it. But a true sales professional's ultimate responsibility is to help them understand what they really actually need, which is a greater value than what they think they want. But what you said is ultimately, why do they need that? What's the ultimate reason and outcome, the why that having this solution will provide them? Then you have enrollment. If you stay in the what and how, you might get somebody to sign up. But that, when you talked about a, a retention, you know, a few minutes ago, and especially in the, the high ticket space and stuff, it's if it's not meeting their ultimate why, they're not going to stay. It's more enjoyable. <laughs> you know, the this so I think people, they do want to be convinced. So I think there's a good distinction there where it's like, yeah, I do want you to sell me the without selling me the product, which is kind of, you know, for me, I, I came from a lot of content marketing and, yeah. and content creation where it's like, yeah, you're providing useful information for somebody and by the way here's the solution or here's the answer and it's connected with my product so no i i I love the approach so if you're a company and i think the best way to look at it because with uh, marketers you want to get the the retainer or you want to get the longer term contract so you have you know perform because if you sell somebody Mm -hmm. on you know yeah i can do all the stuff for you and then they commit to one month they're going to be so 
specifically in regards to marketing agencies who are trying to yeah. get that longer term contract and you convince the prospect, hey, it's going to take a little bit. What kind of tips would you give that person in terms of developing their own you know, selling system? That's a, that's a great question. I really, truly believe the, the three-pronged approach that, that we implement at Ultimate Growth Inc., the audit, assess, and train, really fits in the marketing space as well. Because you ultimately want to help the prospect uncover the gap, right? The gap between where they are and where they want to be. So you can demonstrate so much value up front through bringing to bear your expertise in helping them see that gap, right? So just in the value that you'll bring in helping them see what they have and the gap that exists between that and what they need to get their most important results, marketing and sales results, you're going to add so much value that the natural then next question from the prospect should be, how can you help me? Right. And then you can demonstrate, you know, in our world, it's, it, it's the installation of the program and training. And I would, you know, I would argue that the same is true in the digital marketer world with the certified partnership program is like understanding that, helping them see shining a big, bright light on that gap and then providing them the roadmap and then riding shotgun with them so that they're participating in their own rescue, but the long-term engagement comes from helping them see the gap. And then the easy solution is having us step in there and closing that gap and then providing a, a roadmap of how to get to the result. I think that the thing that kind of turns people off, and, you know, an agency or a business wants the retainer because it gives them certainty that they're gonna have ongoing revenue. But what the prospect really wants is the outcome. They want the result. So if you can show them that outcome and get them associated around that, that, that result, and then you back out, it's only natural that there'll be a, a roadmap or a GPS that they'll want you to take them through, something that they can track and measure along those milestones to get that result. Rather than a mm -hmm. retainer, which feels more like a, like a bet. Give us a few months, you'll see, you'll start to see kind of results, right? And then we're getting into that betting space. Trust us, believe us. Hey, Ryan Dice here. You know, it's been a while since I've run the day-to-day -day for Digital Marketer, the company that Roland and I are partners in. Fortunately, we have a great team and great partners who help us with all that nitty-gritty stuff now. But the one thing that we focused on while I was there and the one thing the team still focuses on to this day is optimizing everything. I'm talking testing everything from the sales copy to the color of the checkout button. Testing like this can have a huge impact on your bottom line, but the truth is it takes a lot of time and a lot of resources. And half the time we were just throwing stuff against the wall just to kind of see what stuck. But the good news is you don't have to figure everything out on your own anymore. And that's because our friends at Conversion Fanatics have optimized hundreds of sites in all types of industries from small startups to Fortune 500s. And now they can handle all your testing and optimization for you too. So if you feel stuck when it comes to optimizing your website, go and visit conversionfanatics.com and they'll give you a list of custom suggestions to optimize your site 100% free. Once again, you can find them at conversionfanatics.com.
So in regards to say agencies, because I, I hear this a lot too from from the agencies like, hey, I, I hired somebody to get me leads or they went to outsource that component of prospecting and then ultimately the sales process. If somebody wanted to take the different tact and say, hey, I'm going to build a sales team or I'm going to have a specialist. For most agencies, you're talking about 5, 10, 20. You're going to have the, the owner is going to be that salesperson. And a lot of times, like for me, I, I'm introverted and I, I literally became a real estate agent when I was 18 so I could get used to sales because I knew that was going to be important for business success. But a lot of people don't want to do it at some point. <laughs> what would you say to somebody who's like, hey, you know, I'm ready to commit. I want a salesperson, but they've never hired a salesperson or had success with one. What could they do to, to qualify somebody good and then also manage them? Yeah, sure. So a few things there. So let's talk about qualify, manage them. But then even before we get to qualify and manage, let's also continue to demystify, right? So this idea of a salesperson being an extrovert, you know, and that, that we need to become an extrovert or something other, if that's not your God-given capabilities or whatever you want to call it, your birth capabilities, it's going to cause stress to be something other. So isn't the real question is, who are we interacting with, right? Because if I'm inter interacting with an introvert and I'm an extrovert, that's going to create friction. So it's, it's kind of letting go that the most important personality to understand in sales is not your own. Your own is second. Hmm. Number one is to quickly understand the personality of the prospect, much like love languages in a relationship. The, the number one thing you need to do is understand the, the, the personality, the love language, the buying language, if you will, of your, of your prospect. And then you need to adapt your behavior to meet that. So then that begs the, the first question you ask, how did you do that? So this is something I studied. It's almost a decade. Starting in, in 2012, I, I went and took every assessment. I went on site, Myers-Briggs, DISC, and, and I developed my own instrument. It's called the sales strengths identifier that sales reps, professionals, any human beings can take. And there's no perfect assessment. What this assessment allows you to understand is where your strengths are and where your weaknesses are in an interaction, right? Again, your ability to move your, your focus and attention away from yourself to the other, your ability to establish rapport. Studies show 45% of the sale is won through your ability to earn the trust and respect of a prospect. Simon Sinek said it best, trust is the biological reaction that someone has our best interest in mind. If we generate that in someone, they'll enroll. So establish rapport, diagnose needs is questioning, your ability to present a solution, your ability to, we call it create buy-in. So have the prospect articulate back to you why they want to enroll. So people want to be convinced, but what they really actually want is to be able to convince themselves. The sales professional's responsibility is to support them in that. Another attribute would be overcoming objections and enrolling. So, you know, I'd, I'd be happy to help any of our, your agencies with their own sales strengths identifier, they can use for candidates and help them understand where their strengths and weaknesses are. And then that gets to the managing part, especially if you're talking about only having one or two salespeople, so not having a, a sales leader per se. When both of you take this assessment, you understand mechanisms, things to 
to maximize when communicating with Mark, things to avoid when communicating with Mark. So when a, when a manager and a sales professional sort of explore these things at a scientific level and then connect about them, they understand where each other's strengths and weaknesses are. So in terms of finding them, I can't impress upon you enough. It's no longer about resumes, right? 60% of resumes contain lies. You, you want to have someone take this assessment, my assessment, or someone else's assessment, understand their real actual capabilities. You want to have them submit a minute to three minute video of them selling you on why they're the best fit for the role. And the reason we do that is we're also looking at preparedness. What research have they done to understand the role that they're coming into, the organization that they're coming into? How do they demonstrate that? Well, I think, I'll, you know, those tips of just the assessment part, because I think the, the most tempting thing to do is, you know, you meet somebody and like, you realize, oh, wow, they're a very likable person. They talk really well. You know, they're personable. And, and then you're like, they're going to be a great salesperson. And then you just kind of teach them what you're selling and hopefully they do a great job. You know, the concept of one assessment and then what we talked about originally, the metrics, I think are, are two, two key components. Yep. And actually one other distinction, you just hit the nail on the head is we fall into a tendency to, they're going to come in and sell themselves because mm -hmm. that's the nature of it. And we're going to come into the interaction wanting to be sold because we need the body. So once, once the sales assessment shows they're likely to be a good fit, instead of having them audition, meaning, them, meaning giving them a script or having them study your product and then auditioning, act that out, what you really want to do is ask them if they're in a, and if, if they're in a sales job right mm -hmm. now to, to role play them selling you on what they're most comfortable with. And the best way to do it is not do it on the phone. Just say, hey, I think you may be a good fit for this, but for me to really understand your capabilities to enroll in the standards that you play at, I want you to tell me the product or solution you feel most comfortable selling, and you tell me who I should be as the ideal client. Then we're going to hang up the phone, and I want to see how you find me. I'm not just going to take a call with you. How do you find me? And so what we're looking for, are they finding you on social media? Are they texting you? Are they doing some research, right? And then, you know, you want to play a little bit hard to get. So maybe you're not taking the appointment right away. And then when you get on with them, you're, you're going through the same thing you see in the assessment. Are they focused on you, not them? Are they establishing rapport with you? They earned the right to ask questions, right? Are they asking you based on everything I've shared, would you be interested in what we have to offer? And you're going through, and if they can do that in something they're comfortable with, then we can feel reasonably confident mm -hmm. that they'll likely do well here. Then we test them in an art environment because otherwise we're just testing for their ability to act. And I think the typical audition you see is sell me this pen. Salesperson sells the pen. Oh, they did great. Yeah. Oh, gosh. That was my first one. Sell me this stapler. I always remember it. It really was. I'd come out of law school and uh, a paralegal background and just all signs from anyone close to me was like, you got to get in sales. You got to get in sales. And I was like, yeah, the sales is so dirty. But I took my friends and family at their word. And my, my first, I don't have a stapler here, but my first interview guy literally puts the stapler down and says, sell me this stapler. And I asked him, well, why do you want this stapler? 
Hey, there you go. Oh, wow. I think that that goes directly into your system. That makes a sense. But yeah, you know, I'd love your approach. I think just those couple tips, I think people can make better hiring decisions and stop being so resentful. I, I really think like because of the dawn of the internet and so much more information being available, like your, your customers are much more informed than they used to be yes. and you can't get it, get one over on them. I think it really took the the used car salesman out of it because oh, yeah. you can't just lie your way through a sale. You can't. They, they know everything. They they and do. So the, People aren't even buying cars from humans anymore. They're buying them online. Yeah. 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 I think the last couple of cars we got were from Carvana. And so, you know, and that's, that's just features. I think the, the difference now though, I think, especially with online is that the subscription model is such a bigger component of most businesses. Yes. Like who cares if you get a sale, you know, yes. that'll feed you for a second and then what happens next month and so on and so forth. So I think this is all led into sales being a lot more of a, I think more of a profession, you know, it's a profession. less of a, less of a show. So oh, absolutely. Right. It's a profession. And in the services, businesses like marketing agencies where that relationship is so important for longevity and retention, those human aspects, you know, are really, really important. So even for business owners, agency owners, like you mentioned, they should, they should take this assessment themselves so they can learn which capabilities to maximize in their interactions and which to be aware of as gaps. Love that. So uh, where can people get this assessment? Do you have a website? Yeah. Yeah. So this would just be my gift to your audience. If they go to salesteamaudit.com. So just spell it out, salesteamaudit.com. Go to that link. There's going to be resources there for the business owner, the agency owner, and access to the assessment. And just being as close as I am to you and Digital Marketer is such a place in my heart. I'm happy to hop on any call with any of your agency owners and support them in Ken and understanding their audit and their abilities to, to grow their sales capabilities. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for that. We'll definitely have you on soon and, and talk about the, the more detailed aspects of that. But I think if marketers who are listening or agency owners list just those tips about the, the assessment side of hiring would be super useful. Take that to heart and definitely check out Neil's website when you get a chance. We love your approach and I think you're going to do really good. Uh, you're welcome, Mark. Anytime, man. Happy to come on and help you and your audience in any way I can. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, this has been the Digital Marketer Podcast. Tune back in if you're an agency owner, marketing professional, or small business owner looking to improve your business through digital marketing. We have lots of content for you. Hey, DM listeners, if you're running a Black Friday or Cyber Monday special, listen up, because Digital Marketer just released our Canva holiday promo pack. It includes almost 200 templates that you can use to make the graphics for all your upcoming holiday specials and three unique design themes for each holiday. The promo pack is usually $27, but you can get it today for free. Check the show notes for the link to download, or you can go directly to digitalmarketer.com forward slash LP forward slash holiday templates. That's digitalmarketer.com forward slash LP forward slash holiday templates.